Hi, welcome to Digging, the only podcast focused solely on infrastructure and the heavy civil construction industry. I'm your host, Taylor Maurer, Senior Managing Partner at HCRC, Heavy Civil Resource Consultants. In this podcast, we explore challenges faced in the industry, investigate the effects of politics, the economy, trends, including stories of success and stories of failure. It is our goal to provide interesting and informative discussions to help educate heavy civil construction professionals to be more successful and to cultivate the industry as a whole. So let's dig in. In this episode, we're focusing on the power of employee ownership in construction. We are featuring one of the largest ESOP companies in construction, McCarthy Companies. McCarthy was established in 1864. They are number 19th on the ENR Top 400 Contractors list and number 7 top solar contractor in 2021 by Solar Power World. The ESOP was established in 1996, and in 2002, the last McCarthy family member sold his majority interest in the firm to its employees. We're welcoming Colleen Martindale and Robin Fiesel to the podcast. Colleen is the estimating director for the Heavy Civil Group in McCarthy's southern region, focusing on pre-construction for the transportation, marine, industrial, and heavy civil markets. She began her career with McCarthy in 2007 as an intern in San Antonio and was hired full-time upon graduating with her degree in civil engineering from the University of Texas at El Paso. In addition to her work in the civil estimating department, Colleen manages the McCarthy Partnership for Women in the Southern Region, an employee resource group focused on removing barriers to success for women in the construction industry. Robin Fiesel is the Treasury Director for McCarthy. She holds a bachelor's degree in finance from the University of Missouri and a master's degree in business administration from St. Louis University. Robin joined McCarthy in 2007 and is responsible for the management and administration of the company's retirement plan, synthetic equity plan, as well as the company's banking relationships, including cash management and credit support. Welcome both of you to the podcast. All right. How long have you been with the, the both of you been with the company? So I started with McCarthy as an intern back in 2007. Um, I did two internships and then came into the pre-construction department for our civil group. Um, I actually took a short detour um, and worked for another general contractor in the middle and came back in 2016. Um, so it's it's been about 15 years with a little gap in the middle. Okay. Thanks, Colleen. Yeah. And I just celebrated my 14-year anniversary earlier this year. Um, started in 2007, working within our accounting group in financial reporting. And then about seven or eight years ago, I hopped over to our treasury group, which is where I've been um, for the last seven or eight years. 14 years. That's like being in adolescence in, uh, in a company, right? You're, you're coming into, yeah. your, into your own, I, I feel like, at that, it, with that many years under your belt. Great. Thank you, Robin. Um, how, much, uh, uh, how much influence was the ESOP program in your decision, in both your decisions to join the company? 
Um, you know, when I started um, straight out of college, I'm not sure it meant as much to me as it does now. I, I don't think I recognized the importance of what that was going to mean to my, um, you know, my retirement years at that point in my career. At that point, I was just, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to start a career. I'm excited to make money, adult money for the first time in my life. When I left, I think that's when I realized it, um, you know, having to transfer the money out of the ESOP. Um, and then when I came back and got to start over at zero, um, I realized um, how I felt about the decision that I had made there. Um, and and looking at long-term wealth, um, you know, with the company, um, it certainly is something that means more to me now um, and certainly pay a lot more attention to it. Colleen, do you feel like there was, uh, that it was an influence on the culture as well when returning? Yeah. Uh, yeah, very much so. Um, you know, it's it's being 100% employee owned, you know, gives you this culture of ownership where everybody around you is invested in your success. Um, because if the person down the hall from me is successful, that affects the bottom line of the company, which directly impacts me. Um, when you work for a company where all of the profits go to the guy whose name is on the building, it's a little different, not to say that it's bad. It's you know, it's just a little less ownership there of everyone else's success. Okay. And what about you, Robin? How much influence was the ESOP program when you uh, decided to join? Well, I, I wish I could say I was smart enough to have thought out working for an employee-owned company. Um, I might have Googled what is an ESOP before my <laughs> interview at McCarthy. Um, but the reality is there was some luck involved back in 2007 when I stumbled across McCarthy. Uh, I was working for a large public company at the time. Uh, I was looking for, you know, new challenges, new opportunities, but really looking for an organization that had a really strong company culture. That's what that's what was missing from from the organization that I was at. And I immediately felt that difference um, throughout my interview process with McCarthy, as well as then when I did decide to join the team. Um, and that difference really was the ownership aspect of uh, our company structure and the fact that we are employee owned. I felt it right away immediately. And looking back on it now, Colleen's example is, is fantastic. And it would be very difficult for me to, I think, work for a non-employee owned company going forward, right? Like I, I think working at, a, at an organization that didn't have the strong ownership company culture that we have here would be a big transition for me. And hopefully one that I never have to experience because I think I found my home. Great. Do, do, do either of you recall the ESOP program being a big part of the interview process? Um, like, oh, this is, you know, hey, we're, we're selling the ESOP to you to sell you on coming to our company. Do, I, do either of you remember that being a big part of the interview? I know it's been a long time for both of you <laughs> since, <laughs> since that, that time, but what, what do you recall about that? It has been a minute, but yeah, and that's something that I remember going home and asking my dad about. He's he's in finance, and I'm like, they told us all about this. It sounds really great. What is it, and how does it affect me? Um, I know now when we're recruiting and when I do interviews with you know college students, it's absolutely something we talk about. Um, I think a lot of them, you know, who have done their research, will ask about it right out of the gate. I don't have to bring it up, but it's it's definitely a topic that we make sure they understand or try to make sure they understand the importance of. Okay. And, and what about you, Robin? Yeah, I think the 
ownership structure and the ESOP is so ingrained in who we are, it, it would be impossible to have a discussion with someone who is interested in, in working at McCarthy and not having that into the conversation at some point. So, yes, it, it definitely was at the time when I interviewed and I probably even more so today um, that th those are things that are definitely happening in the interview process. You know, I, similar, I kind of came out of the interview and I was like, what is this thing? You know, it kind of sounds almost too good to be true. And you even feel that way maybe a little bit at the beginning, right? So once you start working here um, and there are some eligibility requirements, you know, so you have to work here for a year before you're eligible to, to participate, um, you know, but by about five years, you really start to see the value associated with, with you know, working for an ESOP. Sure. Now, I know that this predates both of your, uh, you guys' employment with McCarthy, but do you know the story of when and why the decision was made for the company to be become an, an ESOP? I think, Robin, you've got some insight on that. I do. So our ESOP celebrated its 25th anniversary this year. Um, I was in high school 25 years ago, so I really hope I can do this story justice because it's a, it's a really good one. And so in the mid-1990s, the last McCarthy family member running the company um, and owned the company was a guy named Mike McCarthy. We're going to have the tale of two Mikes in this story. So Mike McCarthy owned the, um, the, the company. We, you mentioned, started in 1864. So it had you know, been in business 130 years, always owned by the McCarthy family. And as he began to think about his succession plan, um, after those 130 years of McCarthy family ownership, it became clear that um, he was probably going to be the last McCarthy family member um, to, to own and run the company. So he started to think about how he was going to, you know, transition into retirement and what would happen with the organization. Um, so he had all the traditional options, right? So he could have sold the company to a big conglomerate, perhaps an international construction company. He could have broke it up into pieces by location or by, um, you know, the type of business that they were doing. He could have, you know, sold off the pieces. But he was really brave and he took a big step, you know, obviously with the support and encouragement of the, the leadership at the company at the time to sell the company to the existing employees. So I think there's a couple of key dates that I want to touch on that are kind of really important. So that was in the mid uh, 1990s when he's kind of thinking through that process and, you know, working towards thinking about, you know, what retirement might look like for him. So in 1996, the McCarthy employee stock ownership plan was established. Um, and how that the actual details of how that happened uh, was so the employees that were here at the time. Um, use their 401k company funded match dollars to purchase shares of McCarthy stock, right? So think about, think about being in, in those individual shoes at the time, right? So a lot of unknowns in the future. Um, you know, the last McCarthy family member is, is exiting the scene here. Um, he's going to sell the company to the employees, but we're going to take money out of your 401k that the company has provided to you, you know, to save for your retirement. And we're gonna invest it in a construction company, right? I think, I think there were mixed reviews at the time on, on that approach. Um, and fair enough by, you know, all those individuals who kind of had a little bit of anxiety at the time about, you know, what was happening and the unknown future. Um, but 
you know, turns out if you, you know, fast forward 25 years, um, it worked out very well for, for all those folks. I, I, I'd be hard pressed to think that there would be anyone who would argue against that. So that was 1996. Now at the time, um, you know, Mike still owned uh, the majority interest of the company, but the ESOP was established. So the ESOP had a, a percentage of the shares and then Mike had his, his ownership percentage. Um, then in 1999, the name of the company was changed from McCarthy Brothers to McCarthy Building Companies, really to reflect that new ownership structure, right? So we're no longer the McCarthy Brothers Company, we're McCarthy Building Companies. And that was intentional and by design. In the year 2000, um, here enters in Mike number two, an individual named Mike Bolin becomes the first CEO in company history without the last name McCarthy. So Mike Bolin was chosen by Mike McCarthy to lead the organization through this process. And Mike Bolin was an integral piece. Um, you know, one could argue he is the reason as to why the ESOP exists today. We, we all, you know, the existing employees here know, know that he had a, a huge role in making that happen and giving Mike McCarthy the comfort to know that he was going to lead the organization, um, you know, into the future and be successful. So that's, we're at the year 2000. In 2002, Mike McCarthy sells his majority interest in the company to the ESOP and the company becomes 100% employee owned. So that was 2002, Mike sails off into uh, retirement, and Mike Bolin is now leading the organization, and we are a 100% employee-owned company. 2008 is the year that we become a 100% ESOP-owned S-Corp. So back in 2002, when Mike McCarthy sold his majority interest, there were still um, shares outside the ESOP that were owned by individual employees here at McCarthy. So we were 100% owned in 2002, but the ESOP did not own 100% of the shares. But in 2008, uh -huh. um, we transitioned into that, that new structure and became 100% uh, ESOP owned as corporation. Okay, great. Now, um, when somebody joined the ESOP, company it kind of brings up you kind of putting out the time frame there is is there a, a vesting period uh with the esop where um your what is it a five-year six-year vesting period i think that's typical of other esops i've seen in construction it is it is and we similarly have a five-year vesting schedule so at the end of the fifth year then you would be 100 percent invested within your esop account Great. Now, I know uh, neither of you were with the company and experienced the culture of the company prior to it being transitioning into the ESOP program, but from from what you know and, and what you've experienced there, can you tell us about the shift of, of influence of company culture from going from it not being an ESOP company to being an ESOP company? Yeah, I think you can hear it in the stories of the folks that were around back then, many of which are retiring or have recently retired. Um, you know, there, there is not an aspect of our business that being employee owned has not touched culture, safety, quality, all of that, you know, safety culture has developed, you know, having a bad safety record financially impacts us all having poor quality of work would financially impact us all. So everybody is invested, um, you know, up and down the organization in making sure that we're successful, that we're, we're operating safely, that we're completing the work correctly the first time, 
um, and that we've got processes in place to help with all of that. I think it also impacts the way that we share information and the way that we're all um, invested in developing each other, um, making sure that the people around you are strong, that when we're um, solving problems, we're working together, we're looking to leverage the expertise of people in the organization rather than just trying to solve a problem in a silo all by yourself. You know, and then as, as we've as we've evolved, um, this kind of spirit of collaboration across the entire country, not even in your own business unit or your own region. If I've got a challenge that, you know, somebody else saw previously in California, I can pick up the phone and call them and get, you know, the person who can help me solve that problem the best on the phone and as a part of my team. So I, I think just that employee ownership piece makes everybody buy into that a little more easily. Again, we're we're all sharing in in the rewards here, so everybody's very willing to to help and and do everything to be continuously improving as a company. Great, uh, Robin. Do you have anything to add? Yeah, I think Colleen nailed it on the head. You know, since we own the place, you know, our employees feel substantial and and a personal stake in the company's success, right? Because we are the owners, um, and for us, that's more than just financial results, right? It's sending our people home safe every single night. It's the project experience we deliver to our clients. It's internal customer service, how we work with each other across regions, across the country, across business units. It's work-life success. It's, it's all those things that, you know, you think about, you can think about an example of an individual owner and all the responsibilities that that one individual feels in all aspects of the business. Well, we have 2,500 owners, right, who all feel that exact same responsibility. Um, and I just think, you know, working at McCarthy, we're, our behavior is guided more by our values than rules, right? Kind of like that family feel. So even when no one's watching, you know, the decisions, uh, we make decisions and we treat them, you know, that, like we're owners of a company making big, important decisions. And that's really, really powerful. Um, and those decisions, I think, consistently reflect awareness of that ownership and the stake um, in the company, right? So each, each person at McCarthy has the ability to, to impact um, the success of the, the company, right? Some more than others naturally, but you wouldn't know it when you observe partners here on a day-to-day -day basis, right? They all bring that ownership perspective to their work, regardless of their role, their title, or where they work. Thank you, Robin. And, and something that both of you mentioned uh, were, was safety. Um, and how has, had, had you, were there measured results of the ESOP uh, influence on your safety record? I think if you asked any person at McCarthy this question, they would respond with the exact same answer. I bet if, if, you, if you muted, if Colleen, if you muted her <laughs> ability to hear this, she would say the same thing. And it's that safety is the most important thing that we do. We hear it all the time. Safety is so ingrained in our culture at this point, it's almost synonymous with, with McCarthy. And I think our industry, that's not just an internal comment, that's I think industry-wide, right? So sending people home, safe from the job sites every single day, it's everything to this organization. Um, and the way that we approach safety is unlike how we approach other aspects of our business. And that's that we're all in on it. Um, we kick off every single, um, every single meeting, whether that's a big company meeting with hundreds of people 
or if you're having a 10 person meeting, we are asked to have a safety moment and keep safety on the top of our mind, every aspect, even individuals who work in the office, you know, such as myself, it's just so ingrained in who we are. And I think, you know, with uh, the amount of time that we've spent kind of ingraining that aspect into our culture, our safety members uh, directly reflect that, that focus and they're best in class in the industry. And I really think it's been a differentiator for us in terms of, you know, being able to win business and partnering with clients because they see that it's our focus, right? They want to work with someone who, who has the safety focus mindset that we have. And, and I really think it's been a differentiator. Um, and I, you know, while I'm not a safety professional and I can't necessarily speak to like specific numbers, I do know that our safety records are second to none. And in the industry, we are known that, you know, safety is the number one thing that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. That's so great. Yeah and, I, yeah, and I think too, um, that as companies get bigger, it's often difficult to to maintain that that level of safety. And, and, and were you saying, Colleen, that there are some numbers that? Well, I was just gonna say that, you know, I, I work in the pre-construction side, and so we're often writing proposals, trying to win work. And that's something we we usually have to include um, as, as part of our proposal. And that's a section that's easy to write for me. Um, you know, we, like Robin mentioned, I mean, it is an absolute piece of our culture. It's, it's in interwoven in everything that we do. You can't have a meeting without talking about it, um, you know, so that that's an easy piece for us to sell um, to our clients, you know, that, hey, we're and not only are we selling it, then, then once we, you know, do have a project, we're involving them as part of our safety culture. You know, they're they're involved in the meetings, they're involved in the PHA's task hazard analysis, they're, you know, they're stepping foot on our job site, they're, they're going to be, you know, living our safety culture alongside us. Fantastic. And, and Colleen, how has the ESOP program affected talent acquisition and employee retention? I'm, I might get a little long winded on this answer. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, we, we both talked about how it was, you know, something brought up from the moment that you interview, you know, it's, it's all over our website, you know, just making sure that there's an understanding that that is a big piece of our culture. Um, I, I don't think you can look at the construction industry right now and, and miss that there is a labor shortage, probably not just the construction industry because we're employee owners that affects us. You know, we, it affects our ability to, to win or chase work if we don't have the people to put on, on the jobs. So, you know, being, personally invested in this company um, as an owner, each one of us takes, you know, a really interested approach to recruiting talent, to um, developing talent, to retaining talent. Um, so something, you know, particular to me, I, I lead an employee resource group here called the McCarthy Partnership for Women in our Southern region, which is focused on recruiting and retaining women. You know, if you've got a labor shortage, ignoring 51% of the population is probably a bad move. So that's something that we do to help with that. So we recognize that it's important to go out go into the schools, go in, you know, and teach students and their parents that there are viable, high paying careers in construction, in the trades, in the office, in the support roles, in project management, all of the typical things that you think about with construction. Um, and and I, I feel like it's just part of that ESOP culture that we look for ways to help in those situations. Um, additionally, with employee retention, um, you know, this developmentally minded culture that we have fostered here over, over the last several years um, 
employees both in management and in the trades are getting continuous training on the job training. We've set up craft training centers around the country. We've got mobile craft training trailers um, where, you know, expert folks that have worked their way up through the trades can help train others for new tasks. Um, on our solar jobs, we build a couple of rows of solar panels early and, and people are able to go out there and, and practice the task that they're going to be working on on that project. We have world-class training programs here at McCarthy for staff, constantly looking for, for areas that we can improve on. And so all of that has helped our, our retention numbers. Um, I think if we look at 2020, that was kind of an anomaly year due to COVID. Um, some, of, some of the numbers there are, are less optimistic. But in general, if you look at the trends over the last five to 10 years um, up until now, we're seeing you know, really positive hiring trends. Our, our retention is good, particularly um, you know, if you slice and dice it to look at women or other minority populations in the company, we're seeing improvements on all of that. We've changed the way that we recruit, um, making sure that we have diverse panels show up at our career fair so that everybody feels like they're welcomed here. Um, the McCarthy Partnership for Women and other DEI focused groups are looking at what barriers do we still see to people's success and how can we remove those. So there's a lot of multifaceted approaches there, but I think the ESOP culture absolutely, you know, is the umbrella over everything. Why we do that? Because at the end of the day, we own the company and we want to be the best that we can. Sure. Yeah. And you know, I think that. Um... The construction is moving toward more diversity, absolutely. And I think it's being forced to, <laughs> maybe more than it wants to, but you mentioned the, the immense talent shortage um, right now across all levels from, from uh, mid-level management to, to craft skilled labor. And then on top of that, I think we're finding too some generational changes with maybe younger, um, younger people, some younger people coming into the industry, not really wanting to be out at the job sites, uh, working outside, um, or maybe having difficulty accepting or adjusting to a 50 plus hour work week, which is pretty standard of construction. And and what, what we're seeing is we're seeing a, a lot of uh, diverse population coming in from other countries on H-1B visas and, you know, ready to step up to the plate um, for those roles that some of the younger generations here in, in America just aren't excited about doing. Not everyone, but uh, we're, we're definitely seeing some shifting trends there for sure. And, and perhaps too, with the ESOP program, you, you can uh, include more of all of those populations in, uh, in, in talent acquisition. That's really yeah. exciting to hear and see. I think it's caused a shift in the way we just look at the the workforce. Um, you know, we've recently introduced a work flex program. It was something we learned how to do over, you know, the COVID period where we're learning that, you know, some work can be portable, some folks can work remote. You know, we're, we're trying to be more family friendly, whatever that means for you. If you've got elders that you care for, if you have kids, being more flexible with people so that, hey, you can still get your job done and go to your kid's soccer game or, you know, take your cat to the vet, um, you know, just offering the, that, you know, flexibility in different ways that people work in different ways. And we're hoping that that helps to attract some of that, you know, younger talent coming in by being a more family friendly and inclusive workplace. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Robin, 
how did other benefits outside of the ESOP program change or how are they influenced with the ESOP program? If that, I hope that question made sense. It does, it does. And I'd say while we're a very cost aware organization, right? So we, we've got our pulse on, on costs and, and you know, when we spend money, it's gotta be worth it, right? But I think when it comes to providing good benefits to meet the needs of our, our, of our people, our approach is unique um, from the perspective of being employee owned, right? So we're not always gonna be looking for, you know, necessarily the cheapest option <clears throat> or see benefit costs as a line item to just simply control costs on, right? So um, we, don't, we don't look at it like we have to have these benefit programs. We want to have these benefit programs for our people. Um, we want to provide, you know, best-in-class benefit programs for, for our folks. It's a really important aspect um, here. And I also think that the people here understand the direct correlation between ways that they can individually contribute to controlling the rising costs, right? So, the, you know, healthcare is an excellent example. So, a handful of years ago, we instituted a, a wellness program, right? I'd say we were on the forefront. Now, that's a, that's a buzzword that, you know, a lot of organizations have today. But I would say, you know, 10 years ago, we were on the forefront of, of that idea and that concept with kind of the entire premise being, you know, from the proactive medical aspect, right? So the, the more things that you can identify early on, the better off, you know, most importantly, it can save lives, right? You can find things early. Um, but the, the future benefit of that is, you know, direct cost savings. And so I think our, our folks here, because we're employee owned and, and we let them know, hey, we're, wellness is now going to be a key, as, a key aspect of what we want to focus on. We want our people to be, you know, physically healthy, mentally healthy, and we're gonna give them all the support and the resources that they need to be successful. Um, and so, you know, the wellness program isn't free, right? It, McCarthy has made an active decision to spend money on that because it's the right thing to do. So I think it just comes back to, you know, we're going to spend money where we feel like it's the right thing to do. And, you know, I, I'd stack our, our benefit options up against any company <laughs> any day of the week from our medical plans to an extremely robust and successful 401k plan, right? Which you could, you know, say is a, uh, a diversifier to the ESOP, right? So a lot of employees that work here for a long time, you know, might have a significant portion of their retirement assets um, directly tied to the ESOP. Um, and that is wonderful when everything is going fine, but we really push, you know, that we want folks to save in their 401k plan um, like they like they would if the ESOP didn't exist, right? And that just helps people have a more diverse uh, retirement portfolio, you know, to things like parental support, Colleen touched on that, life insurance, we've got legal insurance, we've got pet insurance, we've got financial wellness programs, we've got health savings account, um, accounts, we have identity protection. We literally have, I mean, an entire page I could go on and on and on. Sometimes it's even overwhelming the amount of benefit resources that we have. But I really think that that comes from, you know, the employee ownership aspect that we want to make sure that we're giving our folks, you know, best in class benefit options. It's not just the cost line item that we're trying to control, which, you know, is, is the existence um, and the facts that exist, you know, elsewhere.
Great. I, I don't think I've ever heard of pet insurance being offered we have, through, we have through, pet a, insurance. through a company. And I've talked to a lot of companies about insurance. So that's that's uh, real. That really stands out for sure. As if you guys you may need be the it. only one. <laughs> if you Family need friendly, it, whatever that means. means. <laughs> yes. Well, and I, but I think those those things are a result of our people inquiring or asking about, right? And then, so those things are brought to the table and then, you know, the, the individuals who are in charge of, of adding those items to the list, that's a much easier conversation to have at McCarthy. Hey, our, our people and our folks are asking about this. They want this, they value it. The answer I think most of the time is, all right, let's get it going. Um, and I, I just think that's so unique and a different, it's a different approach uh, at McCarthy and, and other employee-owned organizations than, you know, if you work for a public company. Robin, you mentioned that the uh, ESOP um, is is tied in, it sounds like, strictly to retirement, correct? I mean, uh, you mentioned that you encourage employees to diversify in their 401ks, invest in their 401ks, diversify their portfolio, so that if the company stock goes down, they're not, they're not left with, you know, um, struggling with their consideration to retire. So can, can you explain a little bit about the, about the benefits of the ESOP and, and if it is all tied into retirement? Sure. So by definition, an ESOP is a qualified defined contribution retirement savings plan. So for simplicity and context, um, an ESOP is going to be subject to all the same rules and regulations that a 401k plan is going to be subject to. So most people are familiar with, you know, the tax structure of a 401k plan. And so um, when I am, you know, walking people through, you know, how is the ESOP different, I say from a rule and regulation perspective, ERISA is the, um, the guiding entity that is over qualified retirement plans, and the ESOP falls under that umbrella exactly like a, a traditional 401k plan does. So at McCarthy, employees use contributions each year in the form of McCarthy stock. And since we're a privately held um, organization, our stock is only valued one time per year, you know, versus, you know, we're not traded on, on the open market, right? So we're a privately held company and we're valued one time a year. And the ESOP hires an independent valuation company each year to determine what that value is on an annual basis, right? So the ESOP owns all the shares of the company. Um, they hire an independent company to then, um, you know, value us. And that's all this, all this, you know, there are valuation companies that exist that that's all they do is they, they value privately held companies. And over time, um, the employee builds up the number of shares in his or her ESOP account. And the value of those shares is tied directly to the success of the company, right? So when the company performs well and the stock price has good returns, then their individual retirement accounts also do well, right? And then when he or she retires from McCarthy, they sell those shares back to the company at the value in the year in which they retire. Um, so from a tax perspective, the tax benefits are similar to a pre-tax 401k plan. The earnings within the ESOP grow tax-free over time. And then Uncle Sam collects his, his taxes when those distributions occur, right? Sure. So very similar to a, a pre-tax 401k plan, you're receiving um, shares in the form of McCarthy stock that are valued each year, right? And we've been 
very fortunate and, and always have been successful over that 25 year time period. And so those earnings are growing tax free over the time period that they're sitting within that qualified retirement plan. Okay. Thanks for explaining that. I did, I did not know that uh, NESOP was strictly a retirement program. I, I, I did not realize that. Are there any downsides to being employee-owned that you can think of? I wouldn't say it's a downside, um, but the thing that I thought of, um, and I think any entrepreneur or company owner would say that being an owner is risky, and the responsibility level um, is completely different when you own something. It starts and ends with you, right? So you have to have grit and guts to get yourself out of tough times because let's face it, tough times will come, right? And as an owner, company success depends on you and the culture and the environment that you've created and the value you bring to your customers and the community in which you work. That's really big stuff, right? There's a lot of, a lot of stuff to be responsible for. I think there is, you know, the 2,500 owners that work at McCarthy have risks associated with, you know, with the success of the company, which is different than um, if you work for an individual, someone else that owns a company, or you work for a publicly held company where, you know, the shareholders are, the, you know, the general marketplace. It's just, it's just a different, a different structure. But the flip side to any risk is, is what? It's the potential reward. It's that whole risk reward <laughs> concept. And, Think of it um, back to, I had mentioned this before, if you think about an individual owner and all the responsibility he or she has to be successful, they have to think of all aspects of the business. Um, and then you think about the aggregate impact of 2,500 owners who share that same ownership pride and mindset. They bring, you know, 2,500 people have diverse perspectives, different ideas, different expertise. They're working side by side goals aligned day after day, um, the powerful impact of like that force multiplier of 2,500 owners working towards the same goal, it's really pretty powerful and absolutely the reason that we've been successful these 25, uh, you know, the, the last 25 years. I think it's 100% directly tied to that, that powerful ownership structure that we have here at McCarthy. Great, thank you for sharing that. And Colleen, with you focusing on the pre-construction side of the business, um, you you touched on how you you're, you push your your great safety record in, in pursuing work. But has being an ESOP changed in any way? Changed the manner in which you pursue work besides uh, really highlighting that safe that um, amazing safety record that you have? Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of to tie back to what Robin said, there are 2,500 other owners here. So if we take on a bad job in pre-construction or we pick up something, you know, and we haven't been thorough about analyzing our risk or making sure we understand the budget properly, that doesn't just affect our little group or the people on that project. That affects 2,500 other people's ESOP. So we're certainly diligent about analyzing risk on the projects that we pursue, looking at the schedule, making sure that we have the right people available for that job. So sometimes if a job doesn't fit us just because it's there, you know, we're not going to we're not going to go after that. Um, and I think that 
you know, with with valued clients, we have to be very transparent and open with them. You know, when when a project is not a good fit, you know, hey, if this thing came around six months from now, maybe the answer would be different. But we're certainly looking out for the best interests of all of the other employee owners when we take on a job. Similarly, when we're when we're budgeting or we're figuring out logistics plans, you know, making sure that we're we're protecting the ESOP, you know, in, in all of the decisions that we make. Um, you know, is crucial. And, and that, you know, it goes from the top to the bottom, making sure that the big decisions are thought through, as well as the small ones. I mean, I remember as an intern, we had a, a project admin who wouldn't spend extra money on stamps if she could go take, you know, take a letter on her way home. You know, she said, I'm protecting the ESOP down to that, like, 31 cent stamp or whatever it was, but that culture just runs through everyone's veins here that that we're, you know, taking care and trying to make this the most, you know, the best place to work and the most profitable um, company for all of our owners. Great. Fantastic. Well, I think that wraps up all the questions that I had for you guys. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that uh, you feel is worth um, highlighting here regarding the ESOP? program and your experience with it? I, I might just mention, you know, something about McCarthy, you know, we're, we're, we're well known for being, you know, healthcare and hospital and higher ed builders. Um, another way that we protect the ESOP is by operating in a lot of diverse businesses. You know, you mentioned during your intro that, you know, we're, we're number seven on the solar solar builders list there. You know, we do solar work, we do water and wastewater, we do heavy civil transportation infrastructure. So um, heavy civil industrial and marine. So just different different market segments also help to protect our, our ESOP. So if, you know, oil and gas goes down, other other businesses go up, we've, we've got our eggs in lots of baskets rather than, you know, overly investing in one particular business type. And I think that also helps helps our uh, employee owners. Sure, absolutely. And are you also um, vertically integrated with uh, building materials or construction material production? Not a lot. Um, the, the answer is probably different depending on, on which city or state we're operating in um, and what, what market type. I think we're, we're fairly vertically integrated in in some segments but in terms of material production we don't we, we really don't get into that you know but we definitely are careful with where we make our purchases which clients we work for which subcontractors and vendors we do business with um, we have a fairly robust pre-qualification process to do business with us and that helps protect us and you know our, our McCarthy employee owners as well as our client and project owners um, by making sure that everybody that's working with us you know has the the resources to complete the projects that they're going to be on that they're financially stable um, you know just another tool in that risk management bag that we've got sure um, Robin do you have anything uh, that you'd like to add I think I would just say thank you for giving us the opportunity to kind of share our story and sing the praises of, you know, our, we're very proud. Um, where I think Colleen would, would share in the sentiment, I, I'm so proud to work at McCarthy. There's nowhere else I'd ever want to work. Um, and we're, we, you know, we feel honored to have shared our story today and sing the praises of the ESOP structure. And I just think it's, a, you know, it's such a unique niche um, area of, of, you know, the type of the business that 
that we operate in. I think we're just um, thankful for the opportunity to sh to share the story and and the success that we've seen over the last 25 years. So thanks for the opportunity. No, thank you guys for the time that you've given us today and, and sharing all of your knowledge and experience in regards to the ESOP and, and McCarthy as, a, as an individual company. Um, I really appreciate you, you, you both making time for us today and, and, um, and yeah, and we're, we're excited about, uh, excited about getting this out, out there mm -hmm. to the world. Yeah, our pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Great. Thanks for listening. We hope you found this episode of Digging Interesting. I will ask just one thing of you. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. We welcome your feedback and ideas for future podcasts and guests. To connect with us, please email me at taylorm at hcrc.us. We want to thank everyone who contributes to the making of digging, including Lucas West on sound design, Josh Roberts for the kick-ass music, and our clients for making it possible for us to fund this idea and make it a reality. And one last plug, if you are in need of exceptional talent capture in the heavy civil construction industry or consultation regarding the future of your career in the industry, please visit www hcrc.us or contact us at 828-515-4272. Thank you and we'll see you soon for the next episode of Digging.